mildly entertaining, somewhat obscure guests, relatively interesting topics, semi-professional production quality, reasonably well-informed commentary, a great value for the money, hundreds of fans all around the world. It's the Starting Strength Gyms Podcast with your host, Ray Gillenwater. Hi, James. Hey, how you doing? Hey, everyone. Me, James. Hello, everybody. <laughs> James Johnson, wild man. He uh, drove 10 hours round trip from Salt Lake City to Boise to be here just to have a conversation with me for you all to see. So, um, yeah, you know, all 600 of you. But J- <laughs> James is uh, James is our new owner for Salt Lake City. And um, when I first met James, within the first five minutes, I was like, I need to work with this guy. Yeah. So, so James, James is one of us. Um, great attitude, lots of experience in business, good kind of philosophy on life. Um, I wanted to bring him on the podcast today just to uh, to have him meet you all and to have you meet him. So, James, welcome, man. Um, Appreciate you having me. What in the hell prompted you to buy a starting strength gym? <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you did. Yeah, I, just I am too. T- at least so far. T- so yeah. Far. Well, yeah. You know, you're not angry yet because you've only just <laughs> yeah. started. Um, but yeah, get us, uh, give us some of the background and what what led you to this decision. Well, the the short of it is, it works. Mm-hmm. So, um, it's been extremely beneficial to me. So, I want to spread that to provide the opportunity to other people. Yep. That's kind of the foundation of it. Um, I'm currently in healthcare and I run nursing homes. Nursing homes provide care for people who have already been sick. Um, I got into that business hoping to have a stronger impact than I have been able to have just based on how our health system works. Yep. And seeing how people come in and seeing the benefits that training, particularly strength training, can give to people um, was real attractive to me. And I, and I would like to see, I would like to help people not have to go into nursing homes. Right. To be able to live a more, a higher quality of life, to be able to enjoy their grandkids, their hobbies, and not be stuck somewhere where they're going to live out their days without capacity to do the things that they love yep yeah nursing home can be kind of a depressing place are you guys an assisted uh, living facility no we're we're what's called a skilled nursing facility okay so we provide both long-term care and short-term rehabilitation care Uh, say for example someone has a breaks a hip has a knee replacement they can come to our facility where they'll get physical therapy occupational therapy and then hopefully i get to a place where they go go back home what percentage of people do you think would not need to be in there uh, had they gone through the process of getting stronger? That's a, probably a tough question to answer, but I'm curious yeah. if you thought about that. I don't, I don't have the stats on that. My, my best guess would be you could reduce uh, the occupancy by about 25%, yeah. I would say. Yeah, and I wonder what that would look like if we're not just referring to frailty and mobility, but if we're also talking about... Um, the diseases that that present based on living a sedentary life right. because um you you know this and some of the people that have been listening know as well but um you know i just became an emt 
And I did this just because my faith in the healthcare system uh, and our institutions are is at an all time low. Right. Um, and in general, I I don't like so if if the if the cost of something is unacceptable, if the downside of something is unacceptable when it comes to risk assessment, um, then then it's worth putting some serious measures into mitigating that downside, right? Right. And so the way I look at it is um, if there's a medical emergency, because this simple mechanical system, it's not that simple, but this mechanical electrical system that we operate in has a few basic needs, like the ABCs, right? Airway, breathing, circulation. If, If one of those things gets stopped for more than a short length of time, that might be game over for you and there's no coming back from that. Right. And so my thinking is, you know, how do you, uh, how do you mitigate as many of those issues as possible on your own? Because yeah, I mean, you could just hope that, um, whenever something happens, you can call the authorities, a competent person will be over just in the nick of time and everything will be okay. But what if that's not the case? So that was the motivating factor for me for getting into, um, to becoming an EMT. Reason I bring up the story is, when I uh, finished my schooling, we had to do some some practical ride-along type stuff. Oh, okay. And uh, we visited various nursing homes and obviously different medical facilities because mm-hmm. I was working for, or I am working for a private transport company um, like twice a month just to get experience. And the thing that struck me is uh, not only are, are these people in a really bad spot, just sad, lonely, but on top of that, um, they're also in a system that doesn't really care about them because it can't, because that's just the nature of being in a system. Some of the individuals might, right? But uh, the overall quality and care that's being provided in our medical system, I feel like is an all-time low. It's either that or I'm just more aware of it than I have been in the past. However, I think there are arguments to my, there, there are uh, supporting arguments in favor of my position in that you know that all these people have been laid off. All the shit people had to go through through COVID caused a lot of good people to quit. All right. the policies that these hospitals have adopted and the CDC has adopted caused a lot of good people to quit. Vaccine mandates, all this stuff, right? Um, so it's we're in a bad spot uh, when it comes to healthcare. And I, I've I've mentioned uh, your name a couple times, and and one of the main reasons why I wanted to talk to you on the podcast was, what's your take on all this? You know, yeah. what's, so what, what is actually, you're, I'm the outsider looking in, right. I get a little bit of a peek into the way the sausage is made as an EMT. And I don't like what I see, by the way. Um, this is scary no. to have $15 no. an hour employees, uh, who may or may not give a shit about you or their domain. A lot of them do, by the way, so right. I don't want to be unfair, right. yeah. um, showing up to save your ass. Um, what, what's your take on, you know, you mentioned in your introduction that you, you've not been able to care for people in the way that you'd hoped. Um, can you expand upon that? What's, what's the situation in healthcare and why is it that you can't do the thing that you want to be doing, which is caring for other people that need it? Yeah, that's a lot to unwrap. Um, first of all, the decline I think recently can be associated with the exodus of people from healthcare. You know, the last few years we've seen a complete disproportionate number of people leave without people coming in to make, to replace those. We have amazing people in healthcare. You know, the nurses, uh, the nurses assistants, there are a lot of amazing people who are dedicated regardless of the system. They come in every day and they care about people and they care for people. And that's really what's holding our system together is those people. 
because the system itself is not great. It's rotten from the core. <laughs> yeah. And and sincere thanks to those of you that work in the field, yes. uh, working mm. um, selflessly in an effort to improve people's outcomes because you care about another human being and, and how their life um, unfolds based on the quality of care that you provide. So thank you for that. Yeah. If you're involved in healthcare, you see a system and you get discouraged, you see the people and you get encouraged. Mm-hmm because people are sacrificing where they could make more money doing something easier. They're there and they're helping people and they're putting, you know, during COVID people come and felt like they were putting their own health at risk to be there. And so uh, there's some amazing people. Hell yeah. That being said, um, the system is out of whack. It's, you know, it's bureaucrats who create the policies you have, you know, you, you can look at your the people you're trying to help as a bell curve. You have the 1% in the middle that you're actually treating the way they're supposed to be treated. You've got the people on the right being over-treated, the people on the left under-treated. So our system doesn't allow for individual care. Mm. It's every This is what you get. And regardless if it's helping, if we can give this person a little more, they might be able to recover and be able to go home and enjoy life. But we can't we can't take from the person who doesn't need as much and give, give it here. So, so our system doesn't allow for real individual care. Mm, that's an interesting way to put it. I never thought about it like that. You are a, uh, you are a member of a category or of a, or of a group and you're treated accordingly. Correct. And, um, I believe that's primarily, I don't want to jump ahead. I'm not sure you get yeah. here, but I believe that's primarily because you're not the one paying for the services. So right. you're actually not the customer. You're the product. Correct. Um, and that, that changes incentives in really nasty ways. Um, and I think that's pretty clear because the medical professionals that I talk to articulated as follows. There is what's right for the patient, what's right for the bottom line, um, and what is right regulatorily. And uh, typically the patient is last in, those, in, in that triad because... Right. If you screw up the regulatory side, you might lose your ability to practice. If you screw up the finance side, you might lose your ability to practice. So I don't blame anybody for things being this way. It's just a feature or a bug rather of our system. Um, And I believe that the root cause of that is is too much government interference, um, which has led to a third party payer system which has led to a slew of perverse incentives that are not aligned to making sure people are as healthy um, and capable as possible. Yep. I would, I would agree hundred percent. All right. Podcast over. <laughs> there guys. We go. Good talking to you. <laughs> now we just have to solve that problem. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's challenging from, from the doctors on, you know, again, they're amazing doctors who are committed and you have doctors who go to school and they come out with, you know, three quarters of a million dollars in debt just getting through school. And now if they don't adhere to the rules and regulations, then they're in trouble, yeah. right? Then then all that is for naught, yep. um, which has kind of allowed pharmaceuticals to take a much bigger role in healthcare than I personally believe they, they should uh, because they influence everything from schools and, and producing the educational material. Mm. The doctors learn, you know, doctors aren't learning, and this is common knowledge, doctors aren't learning nutrition. Mm. They're not learning a lot about preventative care. Mm. You know, how many doctors really know about strength training? 
Um, a lot of people know it's good. The yeah. CDC recommends it. Yeah. When you ask a doctor, okay, so how do I get stronger? Right. They're either not going to know, and those are the smart ones to say they don't know, right. or they're going to tell you something that they've made up or they think they have an impression right. of, not an understanding of, which is even more dangerous than right. just being quiet. Right. Yeah. So there, there's so many things that, you know, they, ha they have, you know, a, a big problem in our country. And let me, let me say this. We have some of the best in the world. Oh, yeah. If I had to have, like, I just had sh shoulder surgery. Yeah. I wouldn't want to go anywhere else. Um, that, that, high, that upper level, you know, surgeons, that all is doing, is amazing here in the States. Mm -hmm. We're advanced. We have access to great doctors. Um, I, my comments are kind of specifically towards the, the elderly and how we're, you know, general practitioners and how, how our general health is being taken care of. When it comes to specialists, we have amazing people. But then in our system, and rightfully so, they're really incentivized. Um, they do, the specialists tend to do a lot better than a general practitioner. Yep. Yep. So, and I like the surgeons yeah. because the surgeons, um, typically think and operate like engineers and you know, whether or not what you know, whether or not your visit to the surgeon was successful. Um, on the other hand, your visit to your cardiologist or your GP or your urologist, um, the standard of practice in this country may not align with what is the best thing for the patient. And uh, that's a function of the system, not of the practitioner. And Correct. the practitioner probably doesn't know any better. Um, did you catch the the Kendrick podcast that Ripito did? The, yeah, uh, for the, the, um, the cholesterol, cholesterol stuff. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, not to say you listen to one podcast or read a couple of books and then all of a sudden that's that's gospel, but um, at the same time, there are some pretty interesting arguments in there Absolutely. Uh, that are extremely contrary to um, the status quo and and accepted common knowledge. And years back, when I had more more faith in institutions, I've met, I might have been uh, more dismissive of, of claims like that because I, I believed in the rigor that went into making the decisions that got us to the position that we're in as a society. And then as I see more of how the sausage is made, I realize that it's not about rigor. It's about, it's about image, it's about power, and it's about money. And that's how policies are made, and that's why, that's why this overregulated industry just needs a hard reset as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, and these, the problem is we've had regulation on top of regulation on top of regulation. Um, some of those regulations contradict each other. Mm -hmm. And nobody has set out to re- do the system mm -hmm. and say, hey, if we were starting today, how would we fix this? Mm -hmm. And and that's because there's a lot of money in it today. And the people that are invested in it or, or making that money today have no desire to change the system. They'd make less money. It's, yeah, yeah. It's, it's moving in a direction that they like. Mm -hmm. And in particularly, pharmaceuticals have just an enormous amount of, of influence. Going back to the to the Kendrick um, podcast with Rip, uh -huh. what, what were your thoughts on, uh, I think this is something that you're very close to, what were your thoughts on the polypharmacy discussion where you've got um, elderly patients on seven different drugs? You know, uh, Another thought experiment, another way to answer this question would be, what would happen, so similar to the strength training question, what would happen if you took every single resident off of all their meds? Um, 
Now, now, granted, you'd get a lot of negative fallout. Don't, oh, yeah, get, yeah, don't yeah, get me wrong. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, what, I mean, per, I, what percentage of them would, <laughs> might be better is the thing yeah, I'm worried about. Yeah, well, um, we, we see that all the time. We see, we see people who, you know, because you have, they have their general practitioner who's prescribed them medications. And, 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 and I'm not anti-medication. I, you know, I think there's a, a place for it. And the world has been significantly benefited by um, medications. We, you know, we've had diseases um, that we don't have to worry about anymore because of that. So, but, but I think there is an overuse oh, yeah. of it. Yeah. And I think that overuse is swinging the pendulum to cause harm for yep. a lot of people. Well, this, the, a medication is a solution to a problem. And um, first, for there to be a solution to a problem, there needs to be a well-defined solution. And then second, for there to be a solution to a problem, there needs to be an objective, repeatable process for confirming that that solution actually solves that problem. And that is supposed to be what the process of science is. Right, the scientific method, yeah. yeah. Um, and that is not the way things are done, but it's the way things are sold. And that's deeply concerning to me. Um, the point that Rip and Kendrick alluded to on the podcast was, uh, and we'll, we'll link to the audio version in the show notes, um, was basically that not only have you never tested, for example, the implications of using a statin with the, let's say a you know, 50 plus woman, like you've mm -hmm. never actually run the clinical trial to determine if this gives you the outcomes that you want. You're, it's just, you know, we've seen correlative uh, benefit. Uh, the uh, Logically, it makes sense based on the mechanisms of action of the drug. Right, right. Um, so therefore, it's the standard of, it's a standard practice to prescribe right. that drug. Right. And it's one of the most prescribed drugs in the country. Um, in the world for that matter, I believe. Yeah. I need a little bit more than that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you, well, if you want my mom to take a drug every day for the rest of her life, um, I need more than a hypothesis. Well, he, here's where the system breaks down because the doctor, that's that's standard practice, right? As you mentioned, the doctor almost has to prescribe it under certain conditions. Yep. Because if not, he can be held liable mm -hmm. for not prescribing mm -hmm. it, but he'll never be held liable for prescribing it so now he's kind of stuck yep and that's that's where the system's breaking down agreed where the doctor although he may or may not think it's for that individual mm. it's appropriate for that individual he almost has to prescribe it based on the recommendate the the recommendations and it's it's not you know it was I think it was 2016 2017 where they lowered the high blood pressure requirements. Oh sure okay. sure the range and, yeah 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 and it's going to be a hundred over forty before you know it yeah <laughs> at the max well, yeah, yeah, yeah and yeah. and we saw um, there are tons of people then all of a sudden from today to tomorrow in one day all of a sudden they're prescribed and and again that once that guideline is set it's very difficult for a doctor not to prescribe it i i went to the doctor and um this is just before i discovered starting strength and it's one of the things that really attracted me because i happened to see rip talking about you know stupid things doctors say yep and we'll link to going, that one too by so the way that's a good one i 
I was going to the doctor just for just for a checkup. I was on my way to the gym. I I drank a pre workout before going in. They took my blood pressure. It was high. <laughs> so the doctor comes in first of all, and and I'm not I'm not slim by any stretch, um, but I'm not obese. Doctor comes in says your BMI is is too high and your blood pressure is too high, and I said well, like my BMI. I just measured. I'm 19% body fat, so I'm not really worried about my BMI. It shouldn't be an issue. Good for you. 50. 19%. But you're at 50. You're, how old are you? 55. 55 years old, 90% yeah. body fat and uh, muscular. Well done. So, yeah. um, but you're sick. But I'm exactly, <laughs> exactly, and and I had specifically chosen this doctor because he was um, over the University of Nevada Reno athletic program during. Uh, his training mm. so I thought okay this is somebody that's going to understand athletes and and he had you know if this then that mm -hmm. if this then mm -hmm. that does irrespective of who he's talking to yeah he's an algorithm or what, what position and so he tells me well your blood pressure is high I'm going to give you blood pressure medicine I said I just took I shouldn't have done it but I took a, a pre-workout when I came in so I expect my blood pressure to be a little high. and I just I just finished a commute so and and I've been walking around and I've been on my phone and you were talking to me when you were taking my blood <laughs> yeah. pressure um, and I'm annoyed because of this phone call I just got off work um, it's okay that yeah. I'm 142 over 91 it's okay yeah. you don't actually need to give me a drug for this yeah. and one data point exactly one that's, data that's point. the thing it's like I'm 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 trying to explain to him my you know, I'm I'm force feeding him my circumstances, mm -hmm. questions that I feel like he should be asking me, mm -hmm. like to understand. Okay, who who is this? He and I have never met. This is my first time in the office, and so I'm force feeding him. This is my lifestyle. This is my thing. And we talked a little bit about protein, and he said, uh, "Well, in the American diet, you get enough protein." <laughs> like I don't know what American diet you're talking about, but. Um, Maybe you thought you said highly processed foods. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but anyway, so so we get to the end, and, and I said, look, I'm not going to take the medication. I don't need it. I know typically my blood pressure is not high. And instead of saying, okay, well, you know, he wanted me to come in for a blood test, which is fine. But instead of saying, okay, we'll just we'll measure it again when you come back for your blood test and see see where we're at. And I and I get that. I appreciate trying to get a few data points, but he said his comment was, well, I'm putting, I'm sending in the order because I'm obligated to prescribe this to you. And I said, I won't even go pick it up because um, I don't need it. He said, well, I have to do it. So I never went back to him and never went and saw that doctor again. But that's Good. just an example of how the system is kind of forcing the hands of doctors to, you know, if this, then that. It's part that, and it's part a lack of thinking, because what, yeah, what, yeah. what, 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 and and I don't blame the guy, but if it were you, if it were me, if it were someone that doesn't have any experience in this domain, the first question you'd ask is, uh, is there anything that'd be elevating your blood pressure right now? Yeah, yeah, no. right. And I and I fed him that information. Sure, he didn't ask. Sure. So instead of knowing like, that mm, myself, and I'm <laughs> X number, okay, you know, this but, is the course of action. But the fact that I had to have a conversation with him about BMI and then about blood pressure, and it was it was discouraging. Oh. And, I, and I'm thinking, how many people are there that don't have either the personality or or the knowledge to really fight? Because we we hold doctors in high esteem. As, as ask your doctor. Yeah, yeah, and so. 
you know, most people probably would have left there and gone and picked up their medication and started taking their and blood pressure. Then you're on lisinopril for the rest of your life. Yeah. And, and what are, and no discussion of what the downsides to the medication were. Including just, depleting your zinc stores. Yeah. Zinc's pretty important. Do you yeah. know what the function of zinc is? What's the downside of not having adequate zinc? Do, am I supplementing with zinc now? Yeah. How come none of these things are discussed? Exactly. Right? Exactly. So, so it's, it's quite infuriating for me. And I think you're yeah. right. I think it is partially the fact that they've been, it's like, okay, look, um, I mean, basically these guys are agents of the state. You, right, you, right. You, you go to a state Our, institution to get certified, to, to confirm that um, you've gone through the process that they've dictated and they force feed you and, information. And the American uh, Medical Association limits the number of medical schools and, and that's and, artificially low. And I, I, and, and even the, the, the dumbest people in the comments section won't be able to dispute <laughs> that shit is broken and backwards in our medical system, the stuff that you're being taught in medical school. Right. Um, so... Then, then you're put into an institutional healthcare practice, which is regulated by the federal government. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the same time, you've taken out a loan. And it's not just any kind of loan. It might be a special type of loan, a special type of student loan that you can never get out of, not even if you file for bankruptcy. So not only are you an agent of the state, but they have got you by the balls. So what, what, is, what is your incentive to push back against any of this stuff? Well, there's, there's zero incentive to push back. Right. And all the incentives are in favor of you towing the line, especially since the media is in lockstep with the narrative. And this isn't just about COVID. Um, and we'll, we'll reinforce the science, that word again being weaponized to use against people that don't actually know what the scientific process right. is. And this is scientism, right? It's, it's uh, weaponizing the scientific method um, to go after people that uh, uh, just simply need the endorsement of an authority to make a decision. Um, so it's just, I mean, I think that's the root cause of most of our problems. It's like yeah. overly regulated um, and then somebody else starts paying for it which just slowly deteriorates the whole thing. Right. And you know as well as I do that, that, I mean, Jesus, when I went to EMT school, they're trying to just systematize the whole thing where it's like, it, it is, a, if you know, start here, then do that, then do that, then do that. There's no like stop and evaluate and think and consider. And it's, it's, it's all, it's taking the, the, the intellectual rigor out of care uh, and it's taking the care out of care too, because it's kind of dehumanizing when you do that, isn't it? It is. Yeah. Um, they talk about individual care and humanizing care, but we're doing the opposite. Right. And it's, and the problem is you can't go out of that once those are established. And this is where, again, we have, I work with amazing doctors. We have people that are really concerned, but you, once you establish those patterns mm-hmm. and you take the critical thinking out and say, if this, then that, then you have to follow those or you risk losing your license. You, yeah. risk, you risk being sued. And you got to put food like, on the table. They'll, they'll take 10 doctors and say, what would you do? I would have prescribed this. And this is the one guy that didn't. Okay. You're negligent. You lose. Yeah, yep. exactly. Criminally negligent. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's challenging and I don't, I don't want to overdo it. I think anybody who's participated in the system knows that there's challenges. And again, on the specialty side, it's great. My, my surgeon for my shoulder, amazing. And it's outcome driven, right? Yeah. Yep. There, there's, there's an objective, and if, if that doctor does not get the right outcomes, mm-hmm. he's not going to have any patients. That's right. Because um, you can't deny the results. Right. But you can argue with, 
well, how effective has this cardiologist been at helping people avoid right. heart attacks? Right. No, but you can't ask. He can't answer that question. You can't answer right. that question. Right. It's all religion. It's right. all just based right. on belief. Yeah. Um, and I, and I, that is a good sentiment. And that's one of the reasons why I like you, man, because you're positive. Um, so the yeah. point of this is not just to bitch and yeah. complain. The, the point of this is to, is to do what I said earlier, which is to highlight a problem. Right. What's the solution to the problem? I don't know. Um, is the system beyond repair and parallel institutions need to be set up while, while the old institutions wither and die? That's outside of my pay grade. I don't know. But what I do know is health and fitness and the decisions we make before we're in the back of the ambulance, before we're in the ER, before we're in the cardiologist's office, and hopefully before you're in one of your facilities are very important. Right. And um, if you have... A, a brand new vehicle and you treat it like shit, you put an improper fuel, you let it sit for years on end without ever using it. Yeah. <laughs> um, when you do use it, you beat the living hell out of it. You put in inadequate oil, you put in the wrong type of oil. You can expect some problems. Yeah. Um, most people don't think about their bodies in that way because we're so resilient. Right. And um, something that might be interesting to you I've mentioned to you that I have Crohn's, and uh, mm. I actually I actually view that as a good thing. I was talking to my coach, Will Morris, about this the other day, and, and he was uh, we're talking about the progress I've made, and it's been awesome. And and the topic of Crohn's came up, and I was like, man, you know what? I'm actually glad I have Crohn's because I look at it as as an early warning system. Mm. Um, with Crohn's disease, if I fuck up in my lifestyle, if my nutrition mm. isn't dialed in, mm. my sleep isn't dialed in, my training isn't dialed in, my stress isn't dialed in, I know about it right away. Yeah, and if if I let that slip. Um, I will be miserable. I will be miserable to be around and I will not feel good and I'll be ineffective. So what right. does that prompt me to do? That prompts me to be on the straight and narrow with right. my, with my lifestyle. Um, not everybody has that, that privilege. No, um, it's like the, the change lane alarm in the car. Yeah. You, once you drift, yeah. it, it starts ringing. Give me an early warning. Yep. That's right. Yep. That's yep. right. Um, because, uh, for, we have a pretty young audience. We have, we have a big audience of all, of all ages, but our YouTube in particular, um, is, is a lot of young men and, uh, you know, you're full of testosterone and ambition <laughs> when you're a young man, but you're not so much thinking about like, uh. Am I going to be happy I made this decision when I'm 35? <laughs> yeah, no, it never came across my mind. <laughs> so our solution to the problem, our solution to the problem, and that I agree. By the way, my joints uh, can certainly um, uh, attest to that fact. Mm-hmm. Our solution to the pro- to the problem is um, is not to get involved. I, I don't want to get involved. I don't want to get involved with regulation or healthcare or all these other things. No. What I do want to do though is help people live happier, more productive, healthier lives. And the most powerful tool that I've discovered for that is strength training with a barbell. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a, a, a profound um, high dose of positive stress when programmed correctly. Yeah. And uh, as you and I both know, if you don't stress the body, it deteriorates into a lump of shit. Um, Same with the mind. You don't stress <laughs> the mind, it turns into a, yeah. a lump of crap too. Yeah, and then a lot of those guys end up in, in homes, yeah. and they're a mess, and they can't walk around, and um, it's a, it's, it, can, it can be a sad thing. So yeah. that's my take on it. What's, what's your take on it? That, me too. I, I'm not here to trash on the system, just to, to highlight the fact that it's not a system that we can count on to give us the best care if we get ourselves into a situation where we need it we have to take charge of our own care and yep. we have to take ownership of our own care and that's what drew me to starting strength i started so i 
participated in athletics, basketball, particularly up through junior college, and then uh, went to work, got out of shape. So my, my getting back into fitness is kind of a funny, a sad but funny story. So we're sitting there, and I'm, I'm in this facility, and we're a group of people. We're talking about sports. And one of the nurses looked at me and said, you look like you watch sports. You don't play sports. <laughs> <laughs> right to my heart. But... <laughs> I, I've just taken some, some training for how to communicate with patients as part of this ambulance company. You're not supposed to say stuff like that. <laughs> no, no. And everybody looked at her like, I can't believe you said that. She was like, oh, shit, me neither. No. <laughs> <laughs> but I prefer, I, I don't have a problem with truth. Uh -huh. Sometimes it does hurt. Yep. Um, but I, just, I laughed and I went home that night and I looked and I'm like, You're, she's right. Yeah. I do look like I watch sports. I don't play sports. At the end, I, you know, I had ballooned up to about 240, most I've ever weighed. At what height? At, uh, I used to be 5'10". I'm probably 5'9 now. It does. Yep. That happens. Yep. <laughs> um, there's a lot of things I'd like to hang on to that I can't. Uh -huh. But yeah, so 5'9", uh, 340. So I got my- 240. Uh, 240, 240, yes, okay. I'm sorry, yeah. 240. 340 would be a big problem. Yeah, that yeah, would yeah, be. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I took my uh, junior college um, program mm. back to prove to her that I did play sports. And then I started getting in shape. Nice. And it started with um, just walking and doing some weights in my garage. Mm. And from there, I moved on to the gym and doing machines. From there, you know, hammer kind of machines and then hammer strength stuff hammer strength stuff yep. yeah and then and then moving on to barbells but it was that um that experience this was when i was 49 mm. so i'm like okay i'm turning 50 i've just been told i look like i don't play sports i gotta get back in shape so that's kind of what propelled me into this and then i discovered starting strength probably about a year and a half ago mm. and i'm glad i did when i did uh, because the three years prior to that of experience I knew right away that it was right. Mm. I had tried the high rep. Um, You've done what you know, we all do. Yeah. 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 I, I, you know. The bodybuilding template. Uh, yeah, sure. exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, go online and look and, okay, what is there? What is everybody doing? Uh, just mimic that. And Wait a minute. Another example of the conventional wisdom not being correct. What do you know? There's We're a noticing a theme here. There's a couple of those <laughs> things, yes. <laughs> So I did that and then, you know, went to hire, you know, I wanted to get strong. Mm. Um, I wasn't interested in being a bodybuilder, uh, but I was interested in having the strength to perform. And I just knew intuitively that strength was important, Yep. right? Because I felt that I had gotten weaker in, as I got older. And so when I stumbled across starting strength, it immediately made sense. How did you stumble across it, by the way? Uh, YouTube. Yeah. Just searching, searching for information on lifting. And I really wanted to get into barbell training, mm -hmm. but I also knew I had tried on my own to do some, um, I didn't, I didn't even, I didn't even try squatting because I knew I would hurt myself. I tried deadlifting and kept hurting myself. Mm -hmm. You know, you get, you get the weight, you start moving the weight up and then you tweak something and then you can't do it for a while. And, and I was kind of on that merry-go-round. Um, so I got to be afraid to do it. Yeah. So, cause I, I kind of would tweak and mm -hmm. I, so I wanted to get a coach and I, I was at a gym. I had, I had a coach teach me, but it didn't, it wasn't, we used the hex bar. 
They didn't know much better than you did. <laughs> no. Yeah. No. So. Which is standard. Yeah. 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 Just standard. That's not. Everybody goes for the cute stuff, the the battle ropes and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And the provider, just like the previous example, is inside a system that has a set of beliefs right. that is attempting to deliver that to you in the best way that they know how. And they probably yeah. have good intentions, and some of them are pretty good at it. Yeah. But a lot of them are not very good, and worse. Um, might be net negative. Now, granted, that's I think that's rare. I think in general, just so everyone's kind of clear on my position on this, when someone tells me they're running or doing Pilates or doing yoga or whatever, it's not like I'm I'm uh, critical or judgmental. I think that's great. Right. I think that's great. Um, I think anything you're doing other than sitting on the couch, um, and hey, if you want to sit on the couch, knock yourself out. It's your life, you know? Um, just be aware of the consequences. Right. Um, I think that's great. I just think that there are better and worse ways of doing things. And I think when it comes to optimizing the human machine, um, making it as strong as possible in a systematic, safe way is probably the best bang for your buck. Absolutely. Yeah, all that, all that stuff is any, – any movement, any fitness – is going to have a net positive. Yep. For the, I mean, unless you completely overdo it, mm -hmm. but it it will have a net positive. It's like you say, it's how you're going to get your best bang for the buck. Mm -hmm. And I don't think there's a better way to enhance your physical ability than through the starting strength method. Mm -hmm. Because when you look for effort per minute, you can't you can't beat it. And when you look at the progress, you know, um, I went through. You know, overtraining and just not being able to progress and can't figure it out. And and with starting strength, you have a system that just walks you through it. Now it's not. There's not a lot of glamour. Yep. There's not. There's not a lot of that. You're not learning something. You're not learning a new trick every day. It's not that exciting. No. Yeah. But the exciting. It is exciting though because you see the progress. Sure. The progress is what's exciting. But not in that way. Yeah. 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 You you yeah. can't if you're excited about. What is what is my trainer going to have me do today? What new trick am I going to perform today? That's different than I'm excited because now I'm five pounds higher. I'm ten pounds higher. I started at one thirty five and now I'm up to one eighty five. I can't wait to hit two hundred, two twenty five, mm -hmm. and that's exciting to to me. That's exciting to yeah. me. That's fun, and that's that's what keeps it going, keeps me going. But yep. um, progress. It's is a different. Good. It's a different kind of excitement than a lot of people are used to. I have a, I have a, a thought on this. Mm -hmm. um, I I believe. Well, I think this is more than a belief. I think this is demonstrable. Um, you know, it's like with little kids. You can you can test for intelligence to see how long they're willing to accept delayed gratification. Oh. Um, and it's an interesting test, isn't yeah, it? It's yeah. like, okay, so you can have one piece of candy now, depending on the age, the the duration changes. So, or you can have two pieces in five minutes. Which do you want? You know. Yeah. Um, so the 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 short-term here and now mentality, which I think is uh, really not good at an individual level, community level, or societal level. Um, I would agree, yeah. Is, uh, is, is perfect for the fashion over function, entertainment-based exercise facilities that are littered across the country. Mm -hmm. um, but if instead you get satisfaction from having a, a specific definable goal having a plan to achieve that goal and then feeling good every time you cross a new milestone while in pursuit of that plan, that's a whole nother level of satisfaction. It's yeah. kind of like the happiness versus fulfillment yeah. conversation, yeah. which we were having at lunch. I yeah. took uh, James to St. Lawrence Gridiron here in Boise. If you ever hear, uh, come, really on, good. come on down yeah. downtown, they kick ass. Man. I had, I had a, uh, 
Rip would Rip would have loved this, man. I had a uh, uh, four patty brisket cheeseburger. <laughs> that, that brisket burger was, was off the charts. Kicked off ass. the charts. Yeah. It's worth the drive. Worth the drive. Worth the drive. Thanks the again for coming and, out. Conversation and, and the yeah. food. Yeah, it was worth it. Hell yeah. <laughs> and and um, what I appreciate about James is. Uh, I kind of like the old school thing. You know, I, I, I grew up in business in Asia, and Asia things are old school. The legal system is not really there to support you if you need it. So if you're going down um, to sit down with the head of a bank or the head of a telco, um, the first meeting doesn't have anything to do with business. Nope. You're just getting, yeah, you, yeah, you yeah. worked in Japan. Yeah, yeah. Your wife's Japanese. Um, you, you're sitting down, and you're having tea, and you're getting to know the person, getting to know how they think. Um, and then it's all about the relationship, isn't it? Right. Um, and then once you know and trust the person, that the legal agreement is kind of irrelevant because right. if things go south, there's not much you can do anyways, then um, you can do business together. So right. I appreciate the fact that you've come up twice now. I mean, the first time yeah. you came up just to say hello. And I was yeah. like, is for real? <laughs> <laughs> I just popped into the gym. I had like 30 minutes. I was like, great, man. Um, but but that's, that's the kind of... Uh, that's the kind of commitment, the kind of attitude, the kind of culture. The the it's the it's what we're trying to build here. So I, right. I appreciate it. Well, that's that's the other part. There's you know there's a starting strength system which is phenomenal and effective every time it's used, um, and then there's the culture that is also attractive. So you know getting back to why why I'm doing this, it's the people. I w- I want to work with good people who want to help people. Mm-hmm. And want to work together and have fun doing it. Yeah, man. And so I, it, to me, it was important to drive up. Um, I knew Luke was in town because I had mm-hmm. spoken to him. Yep. I thought, okay, if you, both you guys were going to be here, we'd never met face-to-face. So I, for me, it was well worth, well worth the drive because it solidified in me that I wanted to do this. Yeah, awesome. And sitting down and saying, okay, yeah, these, these are guys that I really want to work with. Oh, yeah. Not, not just because we have a common goal and what we're trying to prove, but because I appreciate who they are yep and just want to associate with them irrespective of the business yep and so when you can get in that kind of an environment which is it's rare really hard to find yeah it's rare really hard to find mm-hmm. um where bureaucracy doesn't take over mm-hmm. and people are serving the bureaucracy and not the people or not their co-workers yep so yeah that's that's a huge part too of of why i'm attra- was attracted to starting strength for the members that are watching, for the coaches, for the owners, um, if you ever, and for you, if uh, as an owner, if you ever hear or see anyone in one of the gyms say that this should be done, whether it's lifting related or process or policy related, because this is the way it's supposed to be done, or this is the way it's always been done, and no further explanation uh, can be had, we failed. Yeah. <laughs> if that ever happens, please tell me because I need yeah. to rectify that. Um, and by the way, if you are, like I said, this episode is going to come out in a few months because uh, of, of scheduling, but um, this is probably still going to be relevant. Let's say if this comes out in March, if you are in the Salt Lake City area mm-hmm. and you are interested in being involved with starting strength gyms, this is the guy. You know, this is a John Hahn level, Luke Schroeder level guy. Um, we've got, that's the thing about this organization. I can keep naming the list yeah, of people that kick ass. a lot of really good people. A lot of really good people, but o- only Amazing a few, people. only a few that have a, um, uh, entrepreneurial background, a management background and a leadership background. And the benefit of working with a guy like that is something we spoke about over lunch as well is, uh, we were talking about parenthood and, oh, yeah. uh, and, uh, and one thing you mentioned to me that I, I really like, um, and I love learning from guys like you is um, you're gonna measure the success of your children based on how well they treat other people. Hmm. 
and and uh, in your in your faith, that's how you believe people will be judged. Right. That's beautiful. It's kind of as simple as that. Yeah. Um, what else? What else is there really? It, it's like how well do you treat other people? Yeah. Um, and and so what I'm saying is that if you are in Salt Lake and you uh, are interested in this and you can work with a guy that thinks like that, you can be assured that um, your job is going to be pretty good, especially if it's within the system that we've established that you've heard a bunch about already. So. Um, so yeah, James is hiring. Um, yeah. What what else are you up to, man? What's where are you at in the process? So we're looking right now. We're looking for space. So we've started that process, which can be two months or six months. <laughs> Could be longer. Right now, that. right now, it's, right now it's hard. I, <laughs> Andrew I Lewis is watching this. He's like, it took me fourteen, man. Did it take him? It 14 took him months? fourteen. Oh, yeah. Don't tell me that. Yeah. Um, it's just a weird. <laughs> I'm not market. looking to set a record for that. It's just a weird market. It is. I mean, uh, there has been massive upheaval in the supply and demand of commercial and residential real estate because of all of the draconian policies that were passed and all of the mobility of the populations all across the country. So the markets are just in absolute disarray compounded with being in more debt than they've ever been in by a long shot compounded with interest rates going through the roof, um, compounded with consolidation of private equity and a bunch of small businesses going under like that's a very complicated business environment so it it's is. it's a it's a weird time to uh it's a weird time to be starting a new company especially with like looming recession and stuff um but you know i i, I well let, this is a this is a statement but take it as a question so my my philosophy is i don't care what doom and gloom is around the corner um today is today i'm going to do the best thing that i can do today that's within my sphere of control in pursuit of my goals. And I'm never going to throw away my goals or throw away my plans because it looks like negative things are happening mm-hmm. and I wanna preempt those negative things by not pursuing the positive thing that I'm after. Because if I thought like that, the most prudent thing to have done during COVID would have just been to shut down the whole business, right? I mean, right. Um, and, and a lot of our competitors filed for bankruptcy. Gold's Gym filed Chapter 11, they closed all their corporate stores. 24 Hour Fitness also filed Chapter 11. You, do, you can just go down the list. Um, so I, that's, that's my take on how you, uh, and I think entrepreneurs have to be almost like foolishly optimistic. Um, oh, yeah. Because otherwise, yeah. if you if you look at the statistics of the math on this stuff, like you and I are probably considered foolish people. It's only not foolish when it works. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're an idiot or you're brilliant. Exactly. One, there's no in between. Right. Right. So <laughs> I, I'm just curious what your take is because respect for the way you operate and respect for, for everything you've done, um, but also respect for being willing to take the plunge in a time of, of significant upheaval and uncertainty. Yeah. You could look at it like, Okay, we, we have a higher end product within fitness. So is the current, and I mean, they've changed the numbers. We're in a recession. They changed the numbers so they can say we're not. We are. Isn't that great? Um, and it's, yeah. I used to work my, for a so company my, my that did that, by the way. My background is economics. That's what I studied in oh, school. Oh, cool. Um, so, so you were going to be an economist? Yes. So you were on your path. You were on a path oh, so to yeah, being. My bachelor's is in uh, managerial economics. Okay. So, okay. Yeah. So you, you were on the path to being completely useless to society. <laughs> hey, now. <laughs> as, a, as a goddamn predictor of nonsense. <laughs> but hopefully, hopefully you took the, the, the analysis uh, education yeah. um, and the economic education right. and then applied that to something useful. Right. The statistical <laughs> is, is great, having right. that background in, in statistics. Yeah. yeah. They say, you know, typically econom- economists say, on the one hand, this could happen on the other one. I forgot which president was who said, give me a one-handed economist. (laughs) (laughs) 
So yeah, but um, yeah, so they've changed the the definition so that they can say we're not in a recession, but we are. Um, but my, I'm kind of a contrarian. I I think the best time to move is when other people aren't, and it's very easy to move when the tide is moving you. Mm-hmm. But I think opportunities come when you move against the tide, mm. and so to me. It's it's opportunity. Yeah. And I think it's opportunity in terms of finding good people yep. who are also looking to get who I've I've met a couple who are interested in getting in to training and teaching and coaching in an environment where they can have an impact mm. and to get out of the rat race that that is a lot of jobs now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I think we'll see people driven to this and and health is always an issue. Health is always um, on all of our minds. Mm-hmm. I don't care how old you are. Um, and so this, we're seeing more and more studies come out that are proving what Rip has been saying for years about what strength training does for the body, mm-hmm. not just the muscles, mm-hmm. not just the bones, mm-hmm. not just the connective tissue, mm-hmm. but also for the cardiovascular system. The for, metabolic for the, system. The, yeah, the metabolic system, the, the, the mental and emotional um, strength. Mm-hmm. So it, it is, it changes your life. And I think we're going to see more and more of that people understanding that mm-hmm. and more and more people looking for ways to apply it in their lives and to, and to make that improvement. And, um, so there, there's no better time than the present to move on things that are good. Hell yeah. That are going to have a positive impact on, on the people who want to change. I learned that lesson in 08. When I was a fool in the feeding frenzy, buying a house at the top of the market, thinking it's going to keep going up forever, um, and then lost the hundred grand in the process. When my buddies that are older and wiser than me and have been in business for longer are actually benefiting from all of the the, the craziness of the situation. Yeah. So, so you make fun of ec- ec- economists, but I bought low, sold high, bought low, sold high. <laughs> <laughs> However, <laughs> you are not an economist. Touche, <laughs> touche. <laughs> <laughs> Economists uh, are talking heads on CNBC. <laughs> yes. They don't actually build things. You are a builder, my friend. Um, speaking of being a builder, what's your vision? Where do you want to go with this thing? So you've bought you've bought one gym in Salt Lake, right? Yeah, my my hope is to expand it to four four gyms in in Utah. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned my connections with Japan. I would love to take it there as well. Um, that would be once cool we, once we once we build it out. I'm glad we had this conversation. I didn't know that. Yeah. That would be cool because like I told you getting ready for this podcast, my wife and I want to, once we have our daughter at some point, take her to Japan for, and to maybe to live for a little while down the road. Um, Maybe I'll be your Japan guy, man. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) I have to learn the language. I think, Uh, I think we'll see. I just, it's, it's growing obviously, right? Our our gyms are growing um, despite COVID and everything that happened to kind of, um, slow things down. Mm. There's still growth, and and I see this as being um, extremely important to people who understand it. Yep, yep. And they're going to see the impact it has on life. I mean, we see it in the communities where we've had gyms for a little while, and and people's lives changing, and they're they become inv- evangelists for. Look, you know, and people are asking, "What, what have you done? What's ha- happened to you?" You and I came from kind of separate. You came from a skinny guy to a big guy. I was fat and came <laughs> came down, but, but we both got stronger. But, yeah, we both yeah. got stronger, and we're both in much better better health. Yep. because of it. Yep, and so 
um, it it works for anybody. Yeah. Anybody and everybody. And um, yeah. So. Hell yeah. Um, so I just looked at the clock. Somehow we blew by an hour already. Oh, wow. Um, is there anything you want to talk about that I haven't mentioned? Um, no, I just kind of my philosophy in in doing this and what I hope that people will bring mm. when they come to the gym is um, owning the change. Um, I think sometimes we we talk about we don't like change. Most people, we don't like change, right? We want things, if we're comfortable, we want things to not change. Every day things change. Mm-hmm. We, tomorrow's coming no matter what. Mm-hmm. But um, for me, it's embracing and owning the change as opposed to letting the change happen. And I think starting strength is a way that you control the change. Mm-hmm. You you don't just let change happen to you, mm. but you create the positive change. I follow you. It's not it's not your life is going to have change. Sure. And you can you can determine a lot of it whether it's a positive or negative. And um grabbing and holding on and controlling the change means a much more fulfilling and enjoyable life in my opinion. So you do have quite a uh um, robust philosophy of life. And I, I like where your head's yeah. at with this stuff. So we're going to do a bonus question here and go a little long. Um, <clears throat> where do you draw the line? How do you determine which things to grab a hold of and control versus which things to let go of? That's and, a great question. And, and the reason I ask you this yeah. is because my life has been predicated upon grabbing onto everything right. and trying to control everything. And in a lot of ways, that works great when it comes to my health and fitness, mm-hmm. um, when it comes to my business, with a caveat, when it, with a caveat. Um, you know, I, I showed the plan for starting strength gyms on this podcast, the mm-hmm. presentation that I built before this company existed. Mm-hmm. And we executed on that plan to mm-hmm. a T. Right. So complete control over that. But the caveat with the company is people are involved. Don't be the government. Don't try to control people. Right. As soon as you try to control people, you will have the opposite effect. Right. Of what you think you've if uh, you wanted to have, right. so so I mean for me I think it comes down to sphere of influence, mm-hmm. like uh, within your sphere of influence for things not related to other people's behavior, which technically is outside of your sphere of influence. Right, control the things that are important right. and prioritize, and don't make yourself neurotic and nuts. Um, I'm just curious because I, I, I love that point of view. Yeah, um, take control of the stuff that's important, and hey, tomorrow. You're going to your health will be slightly different than it is today. Right. If you can control which direction that's headed, you ought to. That's right. essentially what you're saying. Exactly. So, so can you can you expand upon that for me? Is there a broader yeah. principle we can apply to life? Yeah. Well, so you have the uncontrollable. I can't control the weather. Right. right? So I don't let the weather um, dictate my mood or what I'm. I mean, it may prevent me from doing things that I had planned on doing, um, but that's changed. I don't control, so I don't really try to worry about that much. Mm-hmm. And I don't let that dictate uh, my mood or, or what I'm doing. So mm-hmm. my, my dad told me a story um, growing up. He said, there's this, there's this guy in New York, guy that's sell, selling newspapers, and he's just a big a-hole to everybody. It's kind of like uh, in, si- in, in Seinfeld, the uh, soup Nazi. Right? <laughs> just, just, and every day this guy comes by and says, have a great day, and is always nice to him. And this other gentleman who's watching this says, why are you so nice to him when he's such an a-hole? And he says, because I'm not going to let him 
control my mood. I'm Hell not yeah. going to let him dictate nice. what I do. Nice. And so the things that are out of my control, I try not to worry about. Yep. Um, they'll impact me, but doesn't. But if I worry about them, I can't do anything about it. Sure. So the things that the change that you embrace is I know I'm getting older tomorrow than I am today. Yep. Um, how, how I can control, I can't control my age, but I can control a lot of the aspects of my health. Mm. I, I can't, I can control the things that I learn. I, I can control getting more, attaining more knowledge. Mm-hmm. And those things ultimately, and I can, I can control how I treat my family or how I dedicate myself to my family. Mm-hmm. And if I'm doing those things, a lot of the other stuff falls into place. Yep. And so it's a matter of looking at what are my priorities and how do, how do I apply what I have control over, mm. over those priorities first. Yep. And then as it goes down the line, there are things that just don't matter that much. Sure. So that's, love it. I love it. And the other tricky thing about this newspaper guy in that, in that uh, a, a metaphor is um, the newspaper guy uh, may not be trying to be a dick. Right. You might just be perceiving his behavior as such. Uh, yeah. And so if you misinterpret it and then it changes your mood, well, fuck you. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> now you're pissed off all day for no reason because oh. that was never the intention. Yeah. Sure. Or yeah. or maybe he is in a bad mood and he's perpetually in a bad mood. Right. So what's the best thing to do with someone that's suffering? Make your encounter pleasant right. or make your encounter worse? Right. So um, there, there's a whole bunch of ways you can yeah. you can look at this stuff from yeah. and. This was this is more of the lunch lunch conversation than yeah. the podcast conversation, but I, I find it really insightful, anyways. Yeah. yeah, I think we have more control than we we. It's easy to say out of my control, mm-hmm. right? But how we act is under in our control. Yeah, how we respond is in our control. Yes, and too many times I think we find ourselves and society is kind of moving in this direction that I you know if I got an F, my mom went to me about the F. She didn't go to the teacher. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, they go to the teacher if mm. their kid gets an F, and it's it's um, it's a lack of ownership, I think. Well, the F is just a representation of the patriarchy in a system of oppression. So it is the teacher's fault. Oh, there, the oh, fault. Well, there you go. I stand <laughs> how, corrected. How dare you? <laughs> how, dare my, how dare my mother take it out on me? <laughs> oh, shit. Um, what other words of wisdom do you have for us, man? Because you've uh, you put a lot of thought of this. You've been a bishop in your church, and yeah. uh, you've got a great family. Um, let's let's leave on... on uh, on a pearl of wisdom, if you don't mind. Sorry to put you oh, on the spot. Wow. Yeah, I don't have many pearls. I just... <laughs> <laughs> or we could just edit this whole part out. <laughs> I, you know, I think generally life can be joyful mm. if we try to find the joy or if we make effort to the joy. I really love the easy doesn't work. Mm. That resonated with me with starting strength because everything in my life that I've that I've gained from has been hard, mm. but those are the, those are the best times. I, I know we're short on time here, but, um, so going to school, I we can a, go as long as we want. <laughs> I'm just worried about these guys losing interest. So keep, oh, yeah. keep going. <laughs> so, um, you know, I have five brothers, great mom and dad loved us. Dad worked hard. Um, but we didn't have a lot. Um, we, as a family, we would clean banks at night. Um, and that was a lot of my younger brothers, actually. I, I owe them a lot because they, um, you know, after school, after practice, they go with the family to clean banks to get extra money for the family. So wow. um, going to school, I had to pay my own way through school. 
So I went up and worked at, on fishing in Alaska. Mm. And it was hard. Sounds dangerous. It was hard. Um, but I wouldn't change it. I, if I had it to do go over again, I would do it again. Mm. The The difficulty in that gave me, it's kind of like the, the confidence that you get from weight training. The, going through that, it's like, there's, I, I can do hard things. Yep. You know, I can do, it gave me confidence. Yep. And I, it, while it wasn't enjoyable while I was going through it, mm-hmm. afterwards looking at it and look what it did for me um, was amazing. So I think we should, don't avoid hard things don't avo- because easy doesn't work. Right. And hard things generally bring greater joy. So. Man, I keep wanting to wrap this up. We'll just, we'll just forget about the time. We'll, we'll just talk until we get <laughs> bored. Um, I, so uh, this fatherhood topic's been on my mind quite a bit, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, what is your take on the rite of passage in society? Um, and, and you, you, you can look at this from two angles, a religious angle or a cultural angle, mm. cause you're, you're involved with both. Um, what you've just described from, as far as I'm concerned is a, is a rite of passage. You did something difficult to achieve a goal, mm-hmm. um, to aid in your maturity as a man. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, I've had a few of those things in my life. One was, uh, the most important one for me was, um, signing up for a fight. Um, you want to face your fears? Yeah, that's scary. You want to face your fears? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sign on the dotted line that on this date, you're going to stand across another man in the ring that's the same weight as you, has just has had just as much time to prepare as you, the, the exact same rules apply, and yeah. put it out on the line in front of all your friends and family and see what you can do. And mm-hmm. see, see if you can, your, your legs are going numb from the adrenaline before you even walk into the ring. Can you keep your shit together, stay yeah. focused and get the job done, right? Um, that was such a, a monumentally powerful moment in my life. Nothing scary after that. Yeah. I was ready to yeah. die in that ring. Right. Nothing is scary yeah. after that. Um, not nothing, but much yeah. fewer things. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, so it occurs to me that uh, it'd be great to have a rite of passage for my children. But at the same time, I just explained that I'm kind of against controlling people. Although I, I believe that with children, it's required that you control them right. until they're competent enough for you to relinquish control and they can make their own decisions. Right. What's been your, um, what's your take on, on the whole rite of passage concept and kind of like, let's just say for Lily, you know, who's coming in January, um, before you're 16 years old, you need to, you need to be, you need to sign up for a fight, either jujitsu yeah. or Muay Thai. I, I think it's important for us to put our children in uncomfortable situations mm-hmm. because when we're not around and when they get going into the real world, they're going to be in uncomfortable situations mm-hmm. and are they prepared to deal with that? So as hard as it is, and, and I'm sure you're similar to me, you know, I want to give my kids the things that I didn't, didn't have. Yep. And sometimes it's a service. Sometimes it's a disservice. Mm-hmm. And we've traveled a lot. We, n- we never traveled. Growing up, our travel was driving from California to my mom's farm in Idaho. Mm. All piled up in a van, no seat belts, just laying out. <laughs> that that was our travel. Mm-hmm. Um, if we got McDonald's when we traveled, that was a huge treat. Um, but I and, and I say that um, not with feeling very good about it. Mm. I, I, I'm not I'm not trying to present myself as a martyr by any stretch, I, that, those experiences were good for me. Mm. Um, and I think uh, I was talking with my wife about this not too long ago that, you know, 
because uh, my youngest is 19, almost 20. Mm. Um, so they're, they're growing up. Our, our, our ability to influence, as you were talking about, is kind of gone mm. other than the things that we've already taught them. Um, but, you know, did, did we provide too much? Did we not make things hard enough on them? If you're asking yourself those questions, you've won as far as I'm concerned, but you're never going <laughs> to so, be satisfied. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, that's tough. Yeah. That's tough. Just love yeah. them. Yeah, all right. Yeah. <laughs> but there, but there, is, there is a necessity that I think in generally society is taken away um, from putting kids in uncomfortable positions. Mm-hmm. And then they can't cope with uncomfortable. Yep. And they have to be able to. To be happy in life, not... Not that they have to go on and and become president of the United States or, or accomplish something great, but just to be happy in life, you have to be uncomfortable with hard things. Yep. Um, because that's where you you have to go through hard things to find the good. Yep. And they'll never find the good if they can't get through hard things. Or if they're coddled or yeah yeah. So if absolutely. if mom and dad always do everything for me, then you get there. So I I do think it's important to by a certain age, just like uh, for example my my boys had to become um, Eagle Scouts before they could drive. Mm. Um, so you do have some standards and mandates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Man- got it, to, got it. to get them to have experiences that we know are going to be in their benefit that they don't want to do. And structured as an incentive so there's Correct. something Correct. in the form so, at the end yeah. of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, gotcha. Um, I well, think those things are important. Some people may, may say that it's uh, archaic, but... Yeah. They're not on the podcast. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I, th- I believe that uh, with all important things in life, you're better off if you find someone with experience to guide you. Hmm. It's kind of what this whole business is predicated upon. Yeah. Right? yeah. Um, so please be my, my parenthood coach. I'll check in with you here and there and keep me honest, man. I'll, uh, I'll... I'll give you where I'm not going to pay you though. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you where I succeeded and where I failed, Good. and then you can take it from there. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm getting some some comments from the community too. Marty Fox, who's active on the board, just messaged me with some just beautiful stories about his kids and um, how he feels about the task of being a father. And um, oh, there's nothing better. Um, there is, yeah. You'll. They have a saying in Japan that um, the child you love the child so much you'll stick them in your eye. Interesting. And it's it's a very weird saying, yeah. but uh, but you understand it when you'll have a child that you would do basically you would do anything yeah for the welfare of that child. I can and, already feel it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I can feel my risk profile changing yeah. as I navigate my day yeah. and rethinking what actions I would or wouldn't take yeah. based on having a baby in tow. And it goes beyond that. It goes to even um, regardless of what your ethical moral code is, mm. you'll you'll rethink. Would I want? my daughter seeing me do this what I want my son seeing me do this is this what I it helped me a lot saying is what decision would I want my son to make in this situation what decision would I want my daughter to make in this situation or how would I want them to see me and how would yeah, I want them to yeah, see yeah, me yeah, in this yeah. situation yeah. that was Marty's advice by the way Th- oh, okay. thanks for the advice for reinforcing it Marty I've heard, very smart I've heard Marty. It, I've Marty. heard it I've heard it a bunch <laughs> it's basically um it doesn't matter what you say it just depends oh. on how you behave oh how absolutely. do you treat your wife how do you treat your kids? How do you treat your peers? Yeah. Um, that is what your kids will learn. Yeah. You can, you can talk about concepts that are blue in the face, but you're, they're your apprentices and you're setting the example. They're looking, yeah. And, yeah. and if, you, if your words match your deeds, you, ha- you have a much better influence. Hell yeah. Um, so if you, you keep those aligned, I, I, I tried to, and none of us do it perfectly. Yeah. You know, we, we have what we know is right, what we think is right, and, but then we have 
influence that will drift yep. degrees, hopefully not many degrees, but left or right from sure. there. And we're always kind of correcting and getting back. But And hopefully but, not wild shifts from one correct. to the other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 That's um, stabilizing. But that brings to children comfort and confidence. Mm-hmm. Like I know this is what my dad says and this is what my dad does. Nice. I trust my dad. I know then when you say something that they haven't seen yet, they trust you. Sure. And and so it's just it's building up in them someone to to look up to and um a course to follow. Mm-hmm. And of course they're gonna blaze their own trail, but they've got a foundation now that they can go in any direction because they've got a solid foundation of truth someone I can rely on because the world doesn't provide that like it used to. Mm-hmm. We used to be able to look up to our teachers, to our community leaders, to our Boy Scout leaders. We don't have the same number of people that we can trust for our children to emulate. Right. And so that that role is increasingly on parents. Yep. Yep. And one of the many reasons why um, that even though I don't believe in the religious definition of, of a God, I'm mm-hmm. actually considering joining a church for that exact reason. <laughs> yeah. um, but that is, uh, that is a whole nother tangent. <laughs> so James, James Johnson, James Johnson. <laughs> we got a little off, off topic there. Off but. Topic. But, but it's all related, man. This is oh, all yeah. about oh, living yeah. a good life, it being is. a good person, putting in the hard work to, uh, to achieve something better. And, yeah. um, you know, when, when, uh, when you can, when you can make the most out of your own existence, um, you can hope to be a good person and, and be a good influence. If that works out, you can hope to have a good influence and a good impact on your family. If that works out, you can hope that that scales to your community. And then right. if enough people are doing that, it scales beyond that. And then you have, you've got a better world that's uh, safer and more just and more reasonable and, um, uh, more supportive of the future generations and their potential accomplishments to come. So. Absolutely. hundred percent. 100%. So that's the way I look at it. Um, James, awesome conversation, man. That was yeah. fun. Thank um, you. And thanks for Good coming all here. the way down. Oh, yeah. Uh, if you want to contact James, it's slc.ssgyms.com. So if you're in Salt Lake City, you can jump on his early interest list, and he'll contact you with updates on the gym. I don't. You don't strike me as a TikToker. Are you on social media? I'm, Can people I'm get not, in touch with you? I'm not big on social media. Right. It's something I have to change. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, okay. you'll have a social media for the gym. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll do that. My yeah. wife does a lot of social media stuff. She's yeah. on it constantly. I'm, I haven't really bought in, but I will. I'll, yeah. I'll get better as it relates to starting strength. All right, well, write, write James a letter, okay? There, there. <laughs> <laughs> no, contact or, him. Or, or email J, yeah, yeah. J Johnson at starting strength gyms. Jay Johnson at ssgyms.com if you yeah. want to s- save a few character shares. Yeah. Um, but hey, thanks, man. Thanks yeah. for coming all the way down. Appreciate I enjoyed it. the conversation. Thank you. It was right. fun. See you guys.